Shopamaniacs, you're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. This might be not quite a hard stop, but it might be a bit of a shorty here. We got a bit of a late start. That's fine. So anyway, how's it going, Chris? I'm Dave Rupert. Oh, I'm doing how's good. it going, Chris Quayer? So. Fan- fantastic, really. Great on the intro this week, and I feel like I deserve a milkshake as a reward. <laughs> <laughs> Dang right you do, Dave. Yeah, I do. I do. Oh, man. Hey, so a follow-up. I have a follow-up. Uh, you do. The other week, uh, probably two weeks from when this comes out here, but um, I talked about using ChatGPT to make a fidget, you know, like my little maze fidget, you know. I wanted to like a... A little app I could just oh yeah open we were talking phone. about like why yeah like give me something to do while I'm digesting your website yeah in while way. I'm in line at CVS like can I just yeah. like like do this like just be bored on my phone without it being like Twitter or social media yeah uh, and so and then I was like but I don't have time to code it so maybe I should just use Chat GPT to do it because we were also talking about Chat GPT so I tried it. And it was very interesting, Chris. It wasn't um, wasn't always cracked up to be so. <laughs> but I saw the output. I okay. So I I, don't, I hate to jump ahead or anything. Go but, for it. But, yeah. But you you're like I want to make a little maze generator, and I didn't know you did this. But you so you so you typed in I don't know build me a maze generator into into one one of the AI tools. It sounds yeah, like you said Chat GPT, oh, so yeah. not GPT four, but this no, is the new the one. Open but AI. Then, like yeah, the was, one, the free one for now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess they're all kind of free, but if you wanted four, I think you have to pay for it right I think now. I have to, to pay twenty the line. So maybe I need to pay twenty bucks to get it to do it. Oh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> or you should try the Edge one, or you should try Bard, or you should try all of them, or whatever. But I think ChatGPT is known for I don't know code output better. Although I say that, and what's actually known for code output is Copilot. So, I mean, maybe you could have taken a crack at that of, of like of starting a project and having it draw a canvas to the screen. And then you do the trick in Copilot where you just do a, a code comment and describe <laughs> the, what you wanted to generate. Maybe and I'll then, do that. Maybe that'll be like V2 or something like kind of like yeah. a, like, can I trick the machine? Right. Like, um, mm-hmm. But then you fast forward, you send me a pen or you put, post it in the Discord, and it, I don't know, it clearly generated a maze. Well, it, yeah, it, so it, it got the maze generation. It, you know, it, it's, and then it actually, I the next part, which I was trying to get to, and it kind of failed, was drawing the maze, like like letting people like put their finger on it and draw around a maze, and like it actually like scribbles on the thing. Oh um, right, that 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 seems like a taller order. Yeah, it was too tall for it. But yeah. it, you know, it actually there was one version. I may like set the pen up to get to that, like give Chat GPT the the benefit or like the uh, right ideal state starter. But it 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 like was pretty good at like drawing it. But it was like finicky, you know, like it, it would like jump cells like through a wall. And I was like, okay, can you do that but not go through walls? And then it like. Kind of just died. I mean, like, I like it, it's it's weird. It's you know, uh, like ChatGPT is like very smart. It can do things, but I, I don't know. I I felt like I felt like it wasn't good at like patching its own code. You know, which maybe is the same for me. But like, it's it like would like write code, and then it, you'd say like, "Cool, awesome, like this is good." But like, can you handle the like drawing? around the maze and they're like yeah i can totally do that i'm just gonna do it and and then it and then it like just will invent a uh function like line intersects wall you know and you're like okay cool line intersects wall is undefined can you like define that and they're like yeah oh i'm so sorry I, I yeah of course i'll do that and like it starts like writing out this function but it'll use like different variables global variables than that yeah, it right. didn't it have before it's just getting yeah. code from another place right so it's copying and pasting right. from a different stack overflow <laughs> into right. this one and it's like well that doesn't work either you know like there's no player y and player x defined and they're like oh yeah yeah totally no i get it that's a mistake uh let me fix that and it's like invents more functions as it tries to fix that right that makes sense to me that like I, I that's not like good, but I also don't think these that these tools were designed like n- with coding like heavily in mind. Right. It's not like you asked a, a, a an AI model. I mean, I'm like a hundred lines. I'm, I'm not like a thousand lines. I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know what's reasonable for my robot, but I don't know. It's a little bit like an actual developer. <laughs> like, it's like overly optimistic that it solved the problem. And then you're like, hey, that didn't solve the problem. And they're like, yeah, sorry, man. Like it read a business book, you know, like, oh, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I, that's my fault. And then like yeah, the third yeah. time it does that and says, oh, I'm sorry, man. It's like, no, you're you're just like a stoner. Like you have <laughs> you got a job that has no plan. Like you do not have the skill for this job. And they're like, oh, sorry. They say, though, that the, especially chat DPT is, is the most bullcrappy of them all. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah. It's it's the chattiest. It's the it has the most. I think hallucinations is a hilarious word because what they mean is wrongnesses. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. that's a way, way to invent a, fa- yeah. a very fancy word to just say it got error. it wrong. It's a hallucination. It's a hallucination. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I, I've been doing it for bios for people, you know, like we just had Kristen on last week. And I was like, oh, oh l- l- give me a biography for her. And she's not like super online, you know, yeah, like yeah, has yeah. a LinkedIn and a Twitter bio and some real basics. But there's not like a bunch of articles about her necessarily. And Bard was like, no, nah, there's there's not enough here. So it just it politely declined to even try. See, that's respectable, actually. Um, yeah, right. And Notion, which I don't know what uses internally, but surely have not created their own entire AI product. So I, I think it was probably ChatGPT, you know, mm-hmm. is the one that they have they can use. You know, it did okay, actually. It did a pre, it did like one paragraph. It was pretty reasonable. I f- forgot to ask her how wrong it was. So maybe I'll, I'll have to shoot her a, a Discord message to see how funny it was. But it didn't seem to add up with what was on her LinkedIn, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I put it in, in GTP4. It just is like cracks knuckles, just blah, just like eight paragraphs of just <laughs> Full biography, just lies, a, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Hallucinations, Chris. Not yeah, lies. It's funny to see. I used one the other day to to, to great effect. I'm, I'm of course because we're developers, we're very interested in the the developer use cases for this, mm-hmm. which seems to me like nothing but optimistic, except for the obvious implications of uh, is this gonna actually cost people their jobs? Well, I don't want to get too deep into that because you know, whatever, that's it's a little played out, but I had the perfect use case for it. Now there's, you know, you know, GitHub Copilot, right? They have mm-hmm. another VS Code plugin called Pilot Labs, yeah. which is Copilot stuff that's in a, 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 I don't know, not ready to ship or something. Yeah. You know? But so one of the things it is, is you open the drawer and you can just whatever code is selected in a, in a file you have open, it will like pre-populate this little text area in that drawer or panel or whatever it is, and then say, would you like me to convert this to another language? Mm. Which doesn't come up every day. It's not like uh, developers are, are very often being like, I need to write this same exact function in Python, you know? Yeah, but yeah. when it does, Dave, it's awfully useful, you know? Okay, yeah. So I yeah. I, I kind of did it, did, it, did it two ways. One, I, I tried that way and it was a it was a bespoke function about sanitizing a string in a very particular way like there was very specific characters that needed to be removed from the string there was mm-hmm. like uh one of the one of the things that it needed to do is if it found multiple dashes it would kind of smoosh them down into one dash like an m dash kind of thing or yeah, right. but in, it was just a dash in this case, but I know what you mean. And then you know, one of the things is if, if a, the string ended in a dash, it would just remove it. You know, so it had some pretty specific jobs to do. And it was in Ruby. Mm. And I needed it in Go. And some of the stuff in it was just a straight replace. Some of it was regex-based and stuff. And I, you know, I, I told it to to do it. And it did it did not do it right. <laughs> it did oh, no. okay. It did okay. But that's that's all I wanted. I don't want perfection. Yeah. I just needed a head start. I just needed it to be like, oh, how do you even do you know, because I have this little moment like, oh, how do you even do regexes and go again? Yeah. I, I'm gonna have to Google it because it has this weird thing where you, you you have to compile the regex before you use it. But really, you should use this function called must compile, which means that it won't if you, if your regex is malformed, it won't error. It'll just panic, which is kind of what you want because you don't want 
a broken Red Jacks and all that stuff. Right, so right. It, it did all that, and then I can fine tune in. It did just what I wanted, but I actually got better output when I used the 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 thing where I described what I wanted it to do with English in a comment first, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then and then got the output got from the that rather than out. the the labs thing. Oh, interesting. So it's cool, but I, I do want I I want that to be a release. I, if that was next week's AI story, is here's this new tool from Company X that is a LLM that's a hundred percent to help you code. Yeah, has no English stuff in it at all. It just has it's all code output. I'd be like, cool, thanks. Well, that's that's sort of where I came down. Was like it's eight bucks a month or ten bucks a month for. For co-pilot, co-pilot, right? Like, uh, it's like, sure. Like, if it can, you know, ten bucks, man, for how much code I write and how much whatever, like, and it can, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a hundred dollars a year for a developer probably isn't a lot. Yeah, like, I like your take because it, what your take, what you're doing is intentionally omitting how inexpensive other products are because it's it's tempting to be like. I don't even pay that much for GitHub itself. No. But you're yeah. like, I'm not going to factor that into my equation. I'm going to factor in the value that I get for this. You know? Yeah. I, I think purely as that's as that as a service, you know, I mean, you know, you, you could probably have like a dedicated tool that you pay $10 for flat, you know, some Mac app or something that you pay $10 for to translate your Python to Ruby or whatever, you know, and mm-hmm. But and and you probably wouldn't like bat an eye at like paying for that. But for some reason, when it's wrapped up in AI, we're all like, "Ooh, is this taking our jobs?" You know. But it's like, no, please, like, let's, I don't like. That's not the work I want to. Do. Like, I, I don't, I don't like. I'm not like, God, you know who's? I love porting code, man. That's my favorite part of the job. You know, it's not why I got into programming. So I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I'm trying to like stay positive, but I'm trying to just be like, what what jobs does this release me from, you know? And um, I think like running this through like the, the, the like chat GPT maze generator thing, you know, I, I think I realized like, I, I don't know that it's good at coding. Like it can spit something out and it like through enough wrestling, it will, sometimes it just quits. Uh, sometimes it writes while loops. It loves while loops, which are like super dangerous <laughs> from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like, I feel like there's some things that actually, you know, it's like a lot of people are like, it's great for beginners, you know, or something, but I'm like, I don't think it's like great for beginners. Cause it like a uses while loops and that's going to mess you up later. If you're, especially if you're a beginner, but be it like, you know, it's like when it forgets a variable or makes up a function, you know, a beginner might not know to even check the console or like, you know, like might not know what's going on. So like my, my son used it to like code a Roblox game and they were like, were like it just doesn't work, man. You know, and I'm just like, well, it's because you're not a programmer. You don't know anything about code. You just copy pasted stuff in. Yeah, they could have copy and pasted and missed the last character, and thus it wouldn't yeah. run. So the robot you know? might have done fine, but they just don't understand. Or it just quit. It didn't close a while loop or something, you know, like it, right. it, it bombed out or something. But like, I, I just don't know if it's good for beginners in that sense because it might create problems that you don't know how to solve. Like, um, but what I, I do think it's like good at, which is just sort of like, like you can say, tell me the steps it takes, I did this, like to write a Pet Simulator X game on Roblox. Like, give me all the steps, you know? And yeah. it literally tells me, like, okay, you got to get a, a pet oh, You spawner. had to write pseudocode for you? Yeah, like, give me a list of oh, the steps. Oh, that's a great idea. That part, I think, is awesome. Because I, I just, you're just like, hey, I want to write a maze generator that you can draw on. Give me the list of steps. You know, I, I think, like, it's actually, like, pretty good at that and it will give me some steps but i think like the temptation is okay now because i'm talking to a sophisticated robot it just told me the steps and you're like now you go code the steps or you go do the steps and i think that's where it sort of sucks like it's just it's when it it's on the third or fourth tier of the logic train it gets messed up so um yeah 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 yeah. i can see that but anyway but it, it was it was interesting 
I, I think, you know, I don't know, as developers, you're like, whatever, I need to order or create a whatever, an e-commerce site, what list all the templates I'm going to have to build or something, you know? I like thinking about it as search, though, because right, like if you're asking it something that is so unusual, it's it won't have the it will never get that right because it hasn't been trained on that. Right. So Mm -hmm. in a way it's like, uh, I know a bunch of people have thought about this and written and published about this. Right. I know a lot of people have, but like, I just, I I can't be troubled to, to load it into my brain right now. You do it. That's perfect. That will always be perfect for it. But if you're saying like, I have, you know, I have this idea that's never been done before, never been thought about before. Well, how how would it know? Yeah. Yeah. It can only be as good as what it has seen or can regurgitate, basically, right? Like mm. what it can crib. So Yeah. I got I got a shout out to Josh Komau's article on it. The, the end of front end development was a really nice take. Lots of great quotable lines on it, you know, stuff like it's it's great at tasks but not jobs. I kind of I like how he phrased that. Ooh, that's a good w- way to phrase it. Yeah, and that, you know, the stuff that we're getting now is it's just like yeah, it's not it's, it's so far anyway, it really hasn't replaced a lot of what we do. It's mostly just a tool and then Whatever tools are good, I, I really like the pseudocode idea though. Just to put a point on it one more time, I think there was a. I don't know. I, I still do it. I, I remember doing it yesterday. I was like, "Oh, what does this thing need to do? Oh, I can't. My brain can't do it in code. Oh, let me just stop and just write it in English quick, and then I'll convert the English to 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 code slowly. You know, mm-hmm. like it helps when you're tired, especially. I think <laughs> <laughs> AI usage goes up in the afternoon, and I I just have a, like a memory buried in there of um Lara Shank you know I was I was with her in person and she was teaching some people some like wordpress stuff and or jquery or something and she would, she would always always do that and it was such a nice way to teach too uh that I'm sure people just talk about what you have to do comment in code okay what's step 1 yeah. what's step 2 it's, I Nick Pettit used to do that on Treehouse um, oh, nice. And yeah. I assume he still does it to some degree on front end masters. Jeremy Keith called it writing a script that he was talking about JavaScript. He's like, no, no, not that kind of script, like a movie script. Like a movie. Yeah. Go do this. Go do that. No, it's, I mean, I feel like, you know, and I think that there is a temptation though. It's like, okay, machine, you wrote the script. Now do the steps and like copilot might be able to, you know, sometimes it's okay at it, but, um, uh, <laughs> But, you know, I, I think like, I don't know, I, I feel like you can edit the script to like, okay, no, actually, I don't need this weird thing you invented, you hallucinated. Um, and I can <laughs> pare it down. Anyway, yeah, it's, I don't know, it, it's interesting times here. But um, I don't think it's going to replace your job, but uh, I think it is, it's just I don't know. I'm trying to find the edges of what it's good at and what it's not really, you know, and, and where I think I could leverage it. And um, yeah, even that, I wouldn't blame anybody for like taking a pause on for a minute because it changes so damn fast. You know, it's tempting me that if you find those edges that uh, in two months, it could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Totally different. I mean, that's the thing is like, I, I wasn't using the take a picture of a website and turn it into a code pen you know like <laughs> that that's pretty advanced man so but i also wonder too like I, I don't know enough about like that was cool what they did but how do i augment it you know to like use my code to build the website you know like it's cool you found code off the internet but you how do you do it with my code you know how do you augment the ai is it just you use more sentences to explain it or what you know how do you get predictable results out of an AI too? Like how? Because it, it, if it it does seem like it's just bullshitting every time. I when it failed to write the maze app the first time, I tried again and it wrote a different mm-hmm. maze app entirely, but it was similar ish. But I had a a woman that goes to the same gym as me wanted to have a meeting and you know she's like, oh, you do computers, right? Let's let's talk about AI stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, sure. You know, I'm not. I don't have any research to dig into. I'm not an AI guy, but I, we could talk about it, you know. And I thought, you know, she was a recruiter, and I thought for sure it was going to be like, okay, what's you know, what's coming down the pipe here? Do I need to be 
you know, f- hiring for AI related roles or whatever. And it really, that's really not what it was about at all. She just was want to be like, show me what the tools are and how I can use them to do my job better. Oh, wow. And I was like, I, I, I also can't do that, but I can, you know, I can, I can kind of point you at some stuff, but I think what, what, you know, <laughs> the lay people of the world, the non-computer people of the world are interested in like, can it write an email for me? Can it, you know, write a Slack update for my team? Can it formalize this press release? Can it, you know, do all these things? And I think it kind of can. I think those are like, it's better at that type of stuff, you know, than us asking it to. Yeah. No, I mean, code a maze. Yeah. I mean, it, it does seem like it's good at whatever reformatting ish, you know, maybe some accuracy, but it's good at like condensing, summarizing or expanding a summary, you know, like it can do the back and forth of that, you know? And so I I think I might experiment more with this whole, like, before I jump into a task, like, Hey, I'm going to whatever, write a notification system for Luro, right? Like an activity, you know, what do I have to do? And what privacy regulations do I have to abide in or something, you know, like, and let it kind of like, give me an outline. And then we can kind of say like, cool, is this good? And if it's good, we can convert it to tickets, you know, and. Right. Or it's just a jumping off point, right? It's not like you have to trust every sentence that it puts out. Certainly not. You know, I asked it to uh, it, I say it, but I don't even remember which one I used because I got freaking access to all these different ones, you know? I don't even know what which one it is anymore. You know, I suspect we won't care in the future. It'll be like, I don't know, whatever the one is that's built into the tool you're using. It was like design, you know, like, what do I have to think about when I do a social media campaign? And it was like, oh, you should, you know, you should invent a hashtag and encourage users to use it. And you should reach out to influencers and you should offer prizes. And you know, I had all this stuff that is like, okay, none of that's particularly interesting, but it's all the stuff that we should at least bring up in that meeting. You know, it's a, it's a starter of, of stuff. And if, if you asked me to prepare for this meeting, uh, and, and of course I'm going to do it in the, the 10 minutes before the meeting, cause I'm busy and a disaster like that. <laughs> I'll probably forget about half of that stuff. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah. And you're like ability. Yeah. It seems to be good at boiling information down, right? Like, like it digests kind of what is out there. And so I don't know. I, 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 I want to start keeping experimenting. I like what you're saying. Like you, you don't, just because it exists doesn't mean you have to use it. And I think that's the other trick too, is like, I think, I do think there's like a worry about like content, what's happening to content. If people are just going to like start content farming and, you know, like just flooding as Steve Bannon says, uh, flooding the field with shit, you know, like, is that like going to like become a thing that we have to deal with? And, and I do worry about that, but, um, yeah, yeah. At least we're at least we can see it coming, you know. Everybody's sort of well, I hope the people that know what they're talking about have their eyes open here. You know, I was you just you just can't avoid conversations. We were just out for dinner last night with some friends sitting at a a picnic table and they're like, "Did you see the images of Trump getting arrested today?" They knew they were fake, but it was like they were going around crazy. They, you know, these really well done AI generated pictures of him like you know running away from the cops on the street and Melania screaming out and wow in I distress didn't see those, and stuff. I mean like they were they were great. Well that's great in as, as and from a quality standpoint, you know like right, holy right. crap. It, it is gonna be this I know weird. me and you share a love for the deep fake audios of the video games ones where Dude, those are just great. I would listen to that all day. Oh man, yeah. No, I'll take I'll take deep fakes. Uh, I I saw this one. Well, it wasn't it was it wasn't a fake. It was somebody actually did this, but they snuck their cat into Jurassic Park. They they replaced the dinosaurs with the cat, their actual cat. <laughs> and there was one scene too. It's like instead of it was like they they did all this with like green screens and stuff. But they like there's one scene like where they're in the car. You know, and I think the little girl eats a bag of chips or something or like makes a noise mm. and the dinosaur crashes. It. She like opens a can of like friskers, you know, like yeah. <laughs> cat food and the cat like breaks in. Anyway, it's funny. Anyway, I 
if that stuff gets easier to make, that's even better, right? Life's better. But I don't know. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Frontend Masters. That's frontendmasters.com. Their learning paths are super good, ain't they, Dave? Oh, man. They, like, they have everything. Like, whether you're starting from a certain level, like beginner to professional to expert, or like you want to like hit the computer science track or the full stack track or design to code track, lots of different tracks from like what skill you're trying to hit. But then, Boom, they got technology-specific tracks like JavaScript, CSS. Like, if you need, like, a skill buff in one area... That's what I would do. I'd be like, dude, I need to learn TypeScript now. I'm way behind on this. Take the TypeScript class. Oh, I need to get a job. Dude, <laughs> take the React class. <laughs> take the React class. No, I mean, or, like, you know, I'm doing Vue. Like, I have a good understanding of Vue, but piecing it together over a bunch of blog posts isn't the best, <laughs> you know? No. So, like, watching Sarah Dresner's Vue course is super rad. Or, or yeah. like, Node. Like, just seeing somebody build something, like an API or whatever, helps my brain internalize that uh, way more than just whatever, piecing it together myself. So Right, right. And I kept calling them courses and classes and stuff, but they're really learning paths. And you might hop between different videos and stuff. There's elective coursework and stuff. These learning paths are really put together to uh, bring you the best of whatever that topic is. That really appeals to me, I think is really quite cool. And I think it can work for like you as an individual or like for your whole company. Like if you got, you're trying to do a big skill buff in React, your, your company notice yes. like, hey, we're not super great. So like, like, boom, get a whole skill buff for your whole entire team. Yeah, or in my case, we're switching over everything to TypeScript. Now, the, guess the who should <laughs> level up in it? Everybody, not just yeah, you. Yeah. you know? Well, and if you want to do it, it, are you doing it in the one month or the one year plan? You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. it helps to level up first, right? So Bring your company to frontendmasters.com. Here's a question that we got. This is a, a one-two punch here from that I thought was interesting. That this is a classic, Dave. You'll recognize this. Martin DeLima writes in: Is there any value in specializing in front of the front end dev, or is it just irrelevant now? I've been job hunting for over six months, and an overwhelming majority of the time, they expect back of the front end experience. How many times have we heard that on a million billion on so, Chop Talk Show? A lot did of we do Martin, this here's a but. We maybe did that exact one, but this is new. This okay, answer okay. to it, I yeah, think, yeah. here from Steve Polito says it's come up several times. You know, to people still hire for front of the front end, the concern that being in order to be relevant, you need to know a framework or or something. You know, and Steve writes, I think the problem with this paradigm is that it assumes the job is for a web developer when, in fact, it seems like this job, that front of the front stuff is more suited towards web design and web designer roles. At my organization, we don't have designers. We have designers that code. All of our designers are proficient with HTML, CSS, and sprinkles of JavaScript. They don't need to know React or Rails, but they need to know enough to be dangerous to help clean up the front end. TLDR, there's still plenty of folks for jobs or of jobs for folks that only know HTML, CSS, and a bit of JavaScript, but that job is a designer who codes. So that's how it works at Steve's design agency. And uh, I've heard that. I've heard that from others too, that they, where is that? That there's another organization that has no, nobody like just knows Figma. Every, all the designers they hire are, are both. I think it's that big shop that's, that does Rails work, you know what I mean? Uh, Black Pixel or something like that? Uh, no, that sounds familiar. Um, but it's I think they're out of Minneapolis. Anyway, uh, forget oh. it. Uh, the, but ten so up, that's ten what up, Steve's saying? Seven up, ten uh, up. Maybe. They do WordPress stuff. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Basecamp, wow. HQ. It's, no. <laughs> they do Rails stuff. They're also hiring. Yikes. Um, but the, uh, I, I would agree with that. Like, I think, you know, Brad Frost, I think, famously kind of said that too, right? Like, he was like, I do all this code and people try to pigeonhole me as a developer, you know? And then they'd, like, ask me to, like, Python their, you know, SQL. Right. And he was like, no, dude, I do not do that at all. So he started calling himself a designer and he got, you know, the right work by doing that. And so for him like responsive work and so maybe that's actually a really good flex so i think steve's got a good point um 
Yeah, look for design roles because uh, unless, you know, because I do think of people like Estelle or something who's famously like a very front of the front end person, you know, she's just talking about some JavaScript that she wrote. She's like, yeah, still got it. But her, that w- it was presentational JavaScript, you know, it was converting some colors and stuff. So she's clearly like genius level stuff at HTML, CSS and presentational, we'll call it JavaScript, uh, but does not, is not a designer. So that's tricky. You know, like if, if Steve's saying, yeah, well, those are design roles, that implies that you have some design talent too. So what are, are we admitting to the fact that if you only know HTML, CSS, presentational JavaScript, but don't have design chops and don't have any back of the front stuff, that, that that's not enough? I, I do. I would, at some point, we can't admit that, you know, for example, just knowing some HTML, it's not enough. It's not enough. You need to know some more stuff. I, th- I think you need to, yeah, in in position. I would say too. There, there's other options too. Like, I was gonna say, like, you know, ad tech could probably like really hurt your heart uh, in the long term. But like, it is HTML, CSS, and images. Like, like there's probably very little JavaScript going on in your ad tech if you like get into like making banner ads and stuff like that. So that's an option. Find a company or or like offer that in your resume. Just say like, I do ads. Okay, you know? yeah. Um, A-B testing is also another one. Like, you know what an A-B test is? It's just injecting shit on a page, you know? <laughs> and so like, if you know how to do that and like faithfully execute it, like that's actually a pretty awesome role in a company. And, you know, it's a bit of a dirty jobs, you know, micro dirty job style thing you know like it's it's you're kind of just in like a doing the work no one else wants to do kind of role but you know i I think it is sort of like a it can be valuable it can be business valuable you're finding out about the business like what works and what doesn't you're like interfacing with people high up who have ideas and that need them on the website or you're maybe landing critical fixes in production <laughs> uh, through the guise of an A-B test. Um, you know, I, I think like that can be rewarding work, you know, um, even if it sort of is sort of this like, you know, basically injecting a tiny virus onto a page, you know, so. but Yeah, but you need a job tomorrow. Go take front end masters react course. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that's a, I think it's a play. I, I think like you can like, do you want to take a long tail approach where it's slower growth or do you want like the money up front, you know, do get, get going on react, you know? Yeah. Um, I could say it's just not that bad either. Like if you're really good at HTML and CSS and and presentational JavaScript, tacking on a framework to that is like, it's no big flex. Like there's going to be a little learning curve action to it, but you'll be okay. You know, it ends up in the ends up in the DOM anyway. Speaking of HTML, Brody Austin writes in about uh, uh, Scott O'Hara's blog post. The you know at late late January this year, who was cautiously optimistic about using the dialogue element. The title of the blog was "Use the Dialogue Element Reasonably." Scott writes, today the HTML specification landed a very important change to the dialogue element, one that resolves a multi-year discussion about how the dialogue element should handle focus. I'll spare you the every detail there. You can link over to, to Scott's post, but uh, he's kind of saying, well, okay, we did it, you know, even from somebody who's absolutely 100% focused on good accessibility as kind of giving this thing a cautious green light on usage again the dialogue element like uh, angle brackets the word dialogue is the web platform saying this is what you should use for a pop-up modal experience that like traps the focus inside of it and is meant to grab the user's attention and show them a message, something that we have hand-coded forever, was often called the the boss mode of accessibility problems because of how difficult they are to pull off. Web platform has delivered this. It was problematic for a little while and now maybe less so. So that's that's pretty cool. Brody's specific question, though, is would you ever use the dialogue element for like a mobile navigation, you know, quote unquote, drawer? Feels like 
a, you know, a, a modal that's just styled and positioned to one side of the screen and be full, full height. Cause you do have design control over these things. Is that stretching what the dialogue element is intended to do? <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm going to say a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I think, I think like it's, ve- it's, this is where I, I get a little frustrated because it, it comes down to like nerd shit. It, it, it's not like you're not wrong for thinking of it because what a dialogue mm-hmm. is, is it's a, it's a interactive, it's like a micro document on the top layer of the browser, which means it sits over everything else. Like it's Z index 1 billion. It, it, so it's always on, it's on the top layer and that's, but that's only when you use dialogue with show modal. And that's what triggers that sort of, modally state, right? There is a new attribute actually that's coming to in that's in open UI called pop-up. And so like you say like pop-up equals pop-up or something like that. Cause there's a few different kinds of pop-ups that I think like it could be a combo box or a list box or something, which again, that's nerd stuff that no one understands the difference of unless you do accessibility. So I think there's a problem there. But pop-up will be kind of for these top layer things that, you know, whether it's like a fly out menu that flies out or like a menu that slides in from the side. Um, but mm. I, I do think like, I don't know, in my brain, like, yeah, it could be a hamburger, you know, kind of thing. But maybe, yeah, like I, I, I get also get the thinking. Part of me thinks, though, that like it's so unusual that breaking a thing that people usually do is a weird form of inaccessibility, you know, mm-hmm. just because I want to navigate to the about page from the home page doesn't mean I want my focus to be trapped while I'm making that decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen, um, you know, detail summary could like, it's not perfect, but it could also maybe be something like that. Like, you know, because. Oh yeah. See all of GitHub. Yeah. All of GitHub is a details element <laughs> under the hood, but it's, you know, that might be like, there's some work you have to do, you know, like, like when you like return focus and stuff like that, like it's, unfortunately it's not, you know, I I can't say it's something I've ever done super successfully. So, but like, you know, sometimes a disclosure is great. So, um, yeah, I don't know that that's, we're kind of using details, I think as our sort of menu manager, but again, I'm sure you're going to find somebody who's like, don't use that. I think Adrian Roselli had a thing like, don't use it for hamburgers, you know, or details element is not a blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's not. And then like every possible thing it's been bastardized as. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. I don't know. It's this like, it should only be used for this one situation where you click something to reveal something. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. like movie spoilers only. Movie spoilers only, yeah. And I'm like, uh, well, let's think a little bit broader everybody you know but yeah it, like it's it almost begs like if it's not good for it then what could we do that is a generic toggle and isn't our toggles coming to css that gets threatened once in a while i could see that happening in 2023 i forget how it works exactly but it's kind of a eh, it's too many people putting input elements and then using colon checked in css there's probably a more appropriate way to code something like that in CSS. That's arbitrary toggles. It's a tab Atkins thing. I just forget where it's at. Yeah. Tab Atkins and Miriam had like a draft of it. I don't know what's happening. I I think the idea of like behaviors and state machines and CSS is a little out there, but yeah, it seems like everybody's got a line where they're like ready for CSS to not cross. Yeah. They're like, yeah, but I'm like, Hey, you put hover in here pretty early on. You already made it a state machine. It's very concerned about states. So uh, yeah. like at media, that's a state. Sorry. At, you know, container, that's a state. So we're, it's very right. stateful, I mean, right? Like it, a selector is a conditional piece of <laughs> just by what it is. Well, yeah. Like smacks was all about using CSS uh, to reflect state, you know, like is hovered, is, uh, you yeah. know, active, you know, and, and so like whole CSS systems have been around the state idea, you know, like, so. Right. 
yeah, I, you know, it was, it was custom properties for a lot of people that was like, it's too mm, programmy or something. Mm-hmm. Not, and not just the nature of programming, but, all, but this, this thing that you could pick up a piece of CS, a declarative chunk of CSS and, and put it somewhere else and having it, have it be meaningless in the new location because it is missing what those properties would do. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting, it's an interesting take. I'm not, I'm certainly pro custom properties. I think they've done nothing but good for CSS, um, but yeah. that was a line for some people, I think. Yeah. Well, and like it, I was reading Bramus, he works in Chrome. Um, forget the last name there, but um, Van Dam, I think. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, he was uh, like tweeting about, he was just like, CSS properties came out in 2017 and people still don't know they exist. And I'm like, like CSS custom properties are, of course they don't six yeah. year old technology and people still don't know that you can even do that. And so he was just like, I, I was surprised and he works at Chrome, but nobody knows anything. It's amazing. You know, I don't <laughs> shocked. <laughs> well, what was shocked we, at somebody was like, time. Oh yeah. Nesting lands in the next version of Chrome or something. So it's probably out wow. by the time this shows out. But it was just like... We heard from a little birdie that... Because the, there's this thing that it has to start with a symbol, right? Don't hate it, actually. Mm-hmm. At least it's a rule. It's an easily teachable, understandable rule that even that might go away. Oh, really? If, it, if that does, that's nuts. Then you know, all the talk, it can't be like SAS. It can't be like SAS. It can't be like SAS. Just kidding. It's like SAS. Good. <laughs> I just I like don't don't tell me pave the cow paths. Well, yeah, pave the cow paths, pave the cow paths, and then not pave the frigging cow paths. You know, they're like, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna pave. That the, is fair. We're that gonna is pave fair. the cow paths. Psych, super highway bros. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just like no, dude. I literally just need a frigging tabs element. Don't give me this. You know, like don't. I don't know. Don't give me this complex, <laughs> low-level garbage. Just give me, give me a tabs element, please. Oh. Oh, I'm all about the, I'm all about the nesting. That's finally it for me. It's That's the last finally out, huh? dead. That's it. We're done. That's great because I, it, it affects my day to day because I, I, my default pen on CodePen has SAS turned on still. Yeah. Here in this, in the year of our Lord, 2023. Yeah. I still have it on because I, I have so much muscle memory for. Mostly for nesting. I use it for yeah, mostly for nesting. Um, yeah, like in components and stuff. Was it Tyler for what? Cloudflare Tyler was is anti nesting. That's his oh, line. Really? He had a different line. He, or he didn't. He's not anti nest. He just doesn't care about it. He's just like I don't know. Uh, I care. I care. I'm in. I'm put me in. <laughs> I want nesting. I actually I've turned the tide too. Like. SAS variables, I guess you have like color, you can do dark and light and alpha on um, SAS stuff, right? But like when that comes, I think I'm fully done because that's that maybe the one thing you cannot do, you know? Like, yeah, but those are, those are dropping, aren't they? I, I mean, that's yeah, soon, but yeah. It's soon because you can do something like, even if you have a hex code, mm-hmm. you can write color parenthesis, reference the hex code either by custom property or just drop the hex code in there and then say like from HSL or to HSL or something. You have to say what color format you intend to use. And then this is really awkward, but just there's some spaces after it. You just say H space S space L. But So you can just leave them alone or you can choose to manipulate them with calc. Mm -hmm. And so even with the hex code, you can just say H S and then for the L go calc, you know, L times 110% or whatever. And it will even brighten a freaking hex code. And if that's not dropped, it's coming real soon. I think it, I think it is basically yeah, ready. I didn't know if it was in color four. I thought it was, but I don't know if color mix or color whatever, but I'm looking forward to that. I want that. Yeah. Like, but mix but, is fine. It's all exciting in, in a way. But I, I'm definitely in the, like, I now see CSS variables as, better than than sas was than sas variables you know like yeah yeah by a long run from javascript they cascade they have fallbacks oh they're amazing you can type them 
I have one place in Luro that's using like maps and loops and stuff like that. But, you know, but that can still be SaaS. You know what I mean? Like that can still be like the one place that uses it, you know, but yeah, everything. Right. Yeah. You don't have to turn off SaaS everywhere, but it's mostly in my day-to-day like pen creation. I wish I didn't have to to pre-process or really basic scenarios like eh. how what what do you what how do you this is a question how do you like find old css and get rid of it what's your method is it the comment it out and see if it changed or is it the grip it and oh god you can't bring up or, a giant question like okay. this okay two minutes left sorry thing. okay no here's the the what <laughs> Because I came up with a slightly new way. Uh, oh, I, oh, oh, okay. Well, let's hear that then. I well, wanna... well, this is this was my new trick. I I looked at the old stuff and I put it in at layer old. Oh wow! And then I wrote the new stuff in at layer new. And then I like could like see in my web inspector like what was coming from what layer. Oh, that's why you were playing with a layer turnyoffy machine. Yeah, that's why I day. made a whole layer turnyoffy machine. I I saw that code pen and I'm like that looks freaking complicated, but you had a real reason to need it. Well, I was just like obsessing. Let's let's not call it reason, yeah. let's call it a mild <laughs> obsession. But but then I was like, you know, cuz I could just turn off layer old by calling it like slayer old, you know, and and it just disappeared. And then yeah. and, and then I could like move forward with confidence that I didn't beef up the whole entire app, you know, pretty well, That's clever. Um but I I was just curious, like I don't I'm even like dealing with like I got like components that we're not using anymore, you know, so I'm just like how how does like how do you evaluate dead code in I think one one answer to it is just an extreme familiarity with your app which is not an answer for a lot of people but right I right. can get away with it in this in my code bases cuz I like I remember every line of CSS ever written in Y <laughs> in this app it's your uh, one super skill it's your super skill yeah. Kinda, and I and I think that 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 matters. And we have dev, and we have integration tests, and we have um, you know a staging environment we can test, and and all that stuff. And over time, we've switched more and more to a component model. Yeah, and that dead CSS on components is way less likely, way less likely. So the component dies or isn't loaded on the page. Is no, that CSS is so tightly bound to it. It's it's irrelevant. It's not that a component can't have any dead dead CSS, but you can wrap your mind around what's used and not used in any given component like quickly and easily. Yeah, uh, it's just those global styles that that are trickier. You're in. Yeah, I have a PR in right now that like rejiggers some of some of our global styles and how some fonts are loaded and stuff. That is it's removing a whole bunch of CSS feels feels pretty good, but it does have that kind of dangerous territory. And in fact, we, we've now now we're, we're publishing an NPM package or, or what, I don't think it's quite that like, but we we have internal packages in our mono repo, mm-hmm. you know, that are mm-hmm. intended to be shared. And one of them is just called styles and they're intended to be global styles that all of the apps use. So moving our global styles to that shared location has been has been kind of cool. But it does, you know, when you screw that up, it becomes more clear. Like I was working on an admin app and there was the um, the time output mm-hmm. in our app. Um, it like it, it's pretty unusual. It It's it's te- text transform uppercase. It sets font size 80 percent, shrinks it down, makes it look small. It, it sets a like a, a gray color to, to, to make it a little less more more chill and you know because that's how we use it mostly but in the admin app i was outputting time in like a table and i was like oh i don't like that look and i changed mm. how time looked but unbeknownst to me i was doing it in our very global i was just doing it on the time selector yeah, you know, which yeah. in a big app is a little that's <laughs> just a little <laughs> too broad right, Can't be, right you know and i kind of screwed it up even on yeah, even on you know existing code pen, all of a sudden the time styles, which are are you know show up in pretty prevalent locations. Like even the footer of the pen editor says like last edited, oh yeah, four minutes ago or whatever. All of a sudden was looking all gigantic and not gray anymore. And I was like, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> Whoop. Yeah. Everyone. So it's you know that's definitely a bar stool getting kicked over in another bar as the. The old Thomas Fuchs tweet goes, you know. Uh, you know, it's funny. It, I. 
I'm starting to feel like our tools should should start burping at us when like we write a uh, root selector or an element selector or something. It's like, hey, buddy, <laughs> this one red flag, you know, or pop mm. a little red flag emoji or something, you know, like, like where would you want to see it? Would you see it? shifted left all the way to the VS code ish level. Would you want to see it in a commit hook? Would you want to see it in CI? Would you want to see it as a third party tool? That's a good question. I mean, maybe it's a VS code plugin or something, you know, but like, I'd prefer to see it when I'm reviewing somebody else's code. Ooh. Okay. Did I miss the fact that they changed a really high level selector? I probably wouldn't, but (laughs) well, what I'm finding too is, in our component, because we've done a lot of components, CSS, you know, but like, you know, like display flex, it's in the code base about 1,500 times, Chris, you know, like, so like, like, yeah. and it, there's no punishment for that, but it's like, uh, oh, I think there's an abstraction here we could have had, you know, like that we, you know, and I, I we wrote like these. Don't invent Tailwind. <laughs> <laughs> I reinvented Tailwind. Uh <laughs> Well, you know, to some degree I did. It was like, you know, we had like a flex row and then we had, oh, shoot, now we need a no wrap and then no shoot. But now we need a shrink and now we need a grow, you know. And I just was like, this is a lot. Like maybe it's more of a declarative thing, like a component, you know, like. And so we ended up making like an H stack and a V stack component. So it's like silly, but it's like really refreshing to have these literal like just this is a vertical stack of junk, you know, <laughs> like, so this is what it does, you know? Uh, anyway, yeah, that's, sorry. I opened up a big. Kind of. Yeah. I was pretty relatively proud of the post I wrote about how do you remove unused CSS from a post? Because I, and it's an old CSS tricks post, yeah, you know, yeah. but you know, it talks to that. It's not a, it's just not, there's, like all good snake oil salesmen and whatever, there are tools out there that says, this is the tool. You want to know how to do it? You use this tool and it tells you how to do it and then you're done. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. Yeah, you call out coverage. Yeah, it's like coverage is like, oh, you're not using 90% of your CSS. So I delete all my table styles and cool. (laughs) I've made everyone mad yeah you know i've there's a reverse way we put this in our app now believe it or not robert who works with me wrote this and stuck it in everywhere in dev in our app and it does it a reverse style dave it looks at every class name and in html Mm -hmm. i think it's just classes and also looks at every class name in all the loaded style sheets on the page, whether they're, because, you know, if you, I think document.stylesheets will give you every single style sheet, whether it came from an inline style block or anything else. Uh, And you loop over all of them and you just compare and you say, is there a class name on any HTML element that is not in any of these style sheets? And it just does a console.warning on them. Hmm. And I was so, I was, I was, I was ready to be mad at it for some reason. Like, this is stupid. But I think, you know, just to flatter ourselves, we only found like three examples or something in the whole app. And I was, and they were, you know, it wasn't wrong. It was just a class name on the HTML that didn't need to be there. It's, that's not finding unused CSS, but it's, it is finding unused class names on your HTML elements, which could cause future confusion you know and for us i think that we you know since we're off jquery there's no you know dollar sign quote dot class you know there's nothing reaching into the dom to look for classes for the most part so it's not jquery so classes are just styles they have one job and they're what styles does this thing have and when those are unused that's you know it's a minor red flag and other attributes are used for things like I don't know, integration testing or to tell app queues where to point at something. And if you're using one of those things, we are pretty consistent in not using a class for it. It's always a explanatory attribute or whatever. It's yeah. data dash reason. Okay. Yeah. That's a nice way to go. Is there some unused CSS on CodePen? Probably. Yeah. But, you know, but it, to what to what degree, you know, like... um. Yeah, we Not just a problem. saw a lighthouse warning and it was like 24 of your 26 kilobytes 
are unused, you know, and I'm Suck like, it. I hate that. Is that true though? Yeah. Yeah. But what if you click over one page? Are they used there? Well, guess what? They're cached then on that next page. And that's actually a good performance characteristic. So suck my pants. <laughs> I preloaded a thing. So yeah, I put one more in the question list just as just it'll take one second anyway. Yes. Go. There are more. Will Harris wrote it in just for, for just without talking about CodePen anyway. Why did we decide to use Go for our GraphQL server? Um, why not Node? I don't know that we ever made a Node attempt at it. Mm. We have a, our first GraphQL service was in Rails. We just used, there was some gem or something where you could, you could write all of your resolvers and models and crap in Ruby. And we did that. And now we're rewriting it in Go, not, you know, not just for fun, but, you know, for reasons and stuff, because we kind of want to spin down the old Rails app eventually and have a more, you know, broken up s system or whatever. And we have our Go API is is fairly, it's not done, but it's it's serving some production use cases now. Uh, so we're, we're pretty happy with that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. You know, we could have plucked plucked the Ruby stuff off and ran that as a separate service. We could have written it in Node. We chose Go because we were just doing a bunch of Go work anyway. There's just some like Go love here at CodePen. So it's a little bit cultural. Mm -hmm. Just like we like Go. It's a good language. We're going to use it for stuff. But not because we just liked it because we're like, I like how the syntax looks or something. It was more like this language is so fast and so efficient that that's where some of the love comes from. But not to mention it, you know, it's typed and the, the code editing experience is really clean, you know. But we could have got that from TypeScript too. But there was certainly more Go love than TypeScript love at the time. Our TypeScript love is growing. Well, to my chagrin. I, I would think you, right, like like part of the reason you use types and you use compiled language is like removing your memory overhead, right? Like, mm. like it's supposed to be faster in that regard. Like it's, I would say it's probably easy to code a bad node app, you know, through a few NPM installs, you yeah, know? Maybe. But like, we certainly would have shared some language. I think there would have been advantages to doing it in Node. There's mm -hmm. more people that know JavaScript here. It would have consolidated language usage to JavaScript. That's not bad. No, That's no. good. Yeah. But you can also look at our AWS charts for how busy our Go server is, the PowerZat API. It's just sitting there just doing nothing. I'm like, it's just so, so powerful of, of, of a server. It doesn't sweat at all. We could hammer that thing. For for CodePen, like servers are probably one of your major, major expenses. I mean, right? Like oh, for and, sure. And so like, I think if you can like eliminate that cost by using something that's way more server oriented than Node, because Node is like, I mean, it's very server, but it's like, it's the browser engine <laughs> ripped out, you know. I don't know. I we're using Node. We love it, but but we had a proc. We needed a proxy server thing, you know, just because like mm. we were hitting the thing. But like we, so we built it. We used a Go library, a Go package for it, because we just were like, man, we need like for a web server. Yeah, because we just needed. Nice. It's gonna get hit, you know. And so like we were just like, dude, we just need we need that to be like bulletproof and not fall downy, you know, those like, memory mm, that safe. Is a good and, choice then. So that's where I feel like go is strong, right? Like sort of set it, forget it, or, you know, I forget which one we use. It's called, did you remember which server you picked? I uh, listen and serve or something, or is oh, that like a default cool boring game? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's just like, it's just like Node, you know, everybody's got their little ones that they like. I think we literally just said like <laughs> fork and then deploy basically. <laughs> like, yeah. So, nice. just, yeah. So anyway. that's how it starts, I guess. Let us know. I mean, maybe people are getting good mileage out of Node. I mean, Node's good. Node's has, Node's good at concurrent requests. It's good at taking in a lot of requests, you know, but. I think you can also. That's how it was born, wasn't it? Yeah. So, I, but I think you can also spike the memory. <laughs> it's pretty memory hungry, is what I'm noticing. Just like Google Chrome. So, anyway, uh, 
anyway, that's it. Thank you, dear listener, for downloading this new podcast. Your we should start her favorite episode. People find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter or Mastodon. You, you know where to find us. And uh, get us over on patreon.com slash shop talk show. Enjoy the Discord. Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Well, that's all. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Shopdogshow.com.